Hi, I'm Anthony Mindel. Welcome to In The Moment, a podcast on acting, art, and life. In this series, I'm talking to AMAW alumni, students, and clients about the challenges of acting and the joys of creating in the 21st century. For more information, go to anthonymindel.com, or you can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. On today's episode, we have AMAW actors James Rock and Sabangle Malambo, both recently featured in the same episode of Netflix's Black Lightning. They discuss diversity in today's industry, how to avoid perfectionism, and how to tear down the walls to become authentically you. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by We Audition. Receive 25% off with the promo code AMAW on weaudition.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of In The Moment Podcast with my guests. I have Double Trouble, Dynamic Duo. <laughs> we already had to do take two because they were such chatty Cathy's. Um, <laughs> so I hope we can, like, we'll get a word in edgewise. But I want to welcome my guests, Sabangale Malambo. Yes. Hey. And Jake Rock. Yes. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> So I decided to do a two for one with these two incomparable, amazing, awesome, talented, lovely people, because um, you guys weren't at the school at the same time. So it was just kind of weird that you are connected. But I always like to joke at six degrees of AMAW. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, right? Uh, But also you guys are on on a show together now. So... Uh How shall we start? So you guys are on Black Lightning. Yay. Weirdly enough, I also know Nafisa Williams. She came to audit a class, I think just before she got that show. And I think she was really just, she's friends with one of my students who told her about the class. And then, and then I think she got the show and she never got to take class, but she seems like a really awesome person. But so awesome. So small worlds. So who wants to start? Like, what a journey. (laughs) So wait, let me ask you. So have you guys, are you guys currently shooting or have you shot what you're shooting so far this year? Or are you on and off or continuing or called back as needed? Or what's the status? Yeah, so we we shot a a backdoor pilot uh, for- Got it. Um, That's right. Yeah, so we're done. It aired as a single episode, which is awesome because- (laughs) You know how many pilots don't even don't air at all you just people never get to see them yeah 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 so now we have about two weeks until they tell us if we're picked up or not so (laughs) yeah how are you guys feeling about it oh i go crazy you go crazy (laughs) why 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 wait why why wait what are we doing right that's right because it's also like what am i doing with my life like you know you had that waiting period how do I plan the rest of the year? Is it going to be, you know, six months in Atlanta, six months here? Yeah, you're kind of in this, yeah, waiting zone. Waiting game. Yeah, I yeah. get it. Too, like, I, I booked two jobs that I couldn't do. <gasps> two jobs because... that you know, have a small scheduling conflict. Mm-hmm. Like, I was supposed to be in Italy right now. Oh, oh. my goodness. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm cut deep right now. My voice. I would be too. Here, like Italy, little- Atlanta. <laughs> Italy, Atlanta. I don't know. I mean, James, maybe you made the wrong decision. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everything happens for a reason. 
no, no, for sure. But also like you can't second guess it. You got to go where things open up and, you know, one thing could fall through. I mean, that's the thing that's also I always I feel like I had a guest on last week or something. We talked about it's kind of cruel to actors, right? Because it still is like, especially during pilot season, I've had actors where they've shot the series or they've shot it a whole year and then they're waiting to hear if it's going to get picked up, but they're on hold. They're basically contracted to the show so they can't go out for pilot season. And then they decide at the end of pilot season that they release the actor. So the actor wasn't able to get any work. So it's really not favorable for the actor. I think those practices need to change. Maybe they are opening up where people are, are being given other opportunities to work concurrently. You guys have worked a lot. So you're booked and blessed. Hey. <laughs> so, uh, so let's talk to you for a second because we last talked a couple months ago because we uh, worked a little bit on your Roswell thing, mm -hmm. which then turned into something more, correct? Mm-hmm, yeah. I knew it. <laughs> when we spoke, yeah, that was now almost six, seven months ago because that was October when I started on Roswell. Oh my God. That was way back in October. And um, it turned into a full on recur. I, I um, shot yes. all the way until the, the, what is it? The finale. So um, that was a really great, uh, that definitely, I think, was probably one of the best sets that I've been on. Everyone from the showrunners all the way, the whole crew. And you could tell that it was a culture that was set up by the leaders at the top. Just kind, kind, mm. compassionate. Um, I felt seen and heard and just their set culture was the, the best that I've seen. Wow. Yeah. And also just New Mexico is so beautiful, right? I like, I saw your photos at the White Sands uh, yeah. dunes, right? And uh, I forgot, that's right. That was in the fall because my boyfriend and I went in November, I think, and we wanted to meet up, but you were in Santa Fe yeah. or in Albuquerque. And then, uh, so, so that's- And that was, also, that was also J.I.'s um, old stomping grounds. <laughs> Four years. You lived there? Four years. Oh, I didn't know this. See, this is so weird. Are you uh, are you uh, from New Mexico originally, or you just lived there for? You went to school I there. Yeah, my first show over there. Four years. What show was that? Uh, the Night Shift. It was like a medical show on NBC. Yeah. What? But you guys shot there. We shot in Albuquerque. Yeah. Whoa. So I had some people. Some people on the crew, you know, were like, "Oh, say hi to Jr." <laughs> So JR, you now have, you, you, when I, well, I've known you, but when I was working with you, you were JR mm -hmm. and now you've gone through a name change. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I mean, my journey is so expansive. Good guy. Um, but I think the gist of it is JR Lemon felt like a football player who was trying to act. Uh -huh. It came down to not feeling like a visitor anymore and sort of taking ownership of um, my craft, my artistry, my space. You know, um, one of the things I remember from when we worked together, you'd always have me go back and say, fuck, like to like get into my voice. Yeah. To be honest with you, that was a seed that was planted for me because I spent the last <clears throat> six or seven years particularly the last like two or three years, 
really, really like getting a grasp of the technical aspects, mm -hmm. like voice work, movement, mm -hmm. like really owning my space. I got to work with some amazing British actors and teachers who showed me how much I was apologizing for my size, whether it be because I was a you know football player growing up in the South, you know, and sometimes in a um, you know, predominantly white, you know, community and always apologizing. Hey, it manifests itself in the voice, right? You're not really owning your space. So I had this British voice teacher say, it's always the black American men who I, who don't own their space. And I have to, you know, really get them to be full. So, uh, there's more with that, you know, there's Shakespeare, there's so much other stuff that I did. Um, but yeah, James Rock felt like, didn't feel like a visitor anymore. Oh, and it was sort of a wink to my father, my dad. My, it was my dad's name. He passed to me. So, uh, he, he just passed two weeks ago. Did you say? No, no, no. He he oh. just passed the name. He gave the name oh, to me. Wait, Thank goodness it. he did not pass two weeks ago. But okay. yeah, okay. it was kind of a you know he didn't have his dad was not there for him. Technically, he should be the second. In high school, he changed his name. He took on Rock, which was this uh, saint. Uh, he was in Catholic school. And so it's just me and him who have it. And it was sort of a, just a nod to him, a tip of the cap to, you know, pop. Well, James, I think like for me, I remember, yeah, so much we talked about me seeing this latent power and potential in you of trying to sit in and access the deeper, like holding more space for ourselves, creating more space for ourselves, taking up more space, right? And really trying to get the actor like, every actor at some level, men and women, but uh, like, you're right. You know, I just was talking to a, a black actor in class the other day, cause we've been, we've been fully functional outdoors in these pods. I was telling uh, uh, an agent or something the other day about how we've been functional during COVID because we just found a way to adapt and stay outside and create these plastic pods. But, you know, for me, something that I always have known about, but because of Black Li the Black Lives Matter movement and the social justice movement, it's helped me really even get even more clear on how what you're talking about, and this Black actor I was talking to the other day, is to have, uh, for, a, for a Black man, for many Black men, to have their voice and to have their feelings around things that require them to have voice in, quote unquote, life could also equal something dire. I mean, it could equal death. It could equal incarceration. It could equal. So of course they've been culturally, socially taught to, like you said, diminish themselves or yeah, like shrink themselves. Right. So it's winning back that power that was taken away from them. Mm -hmm. So that's been, you know, it's not just specific to black actors, but I have found that to be an interesting theme and something that I've been awakened to and is really important to give space for actors of color to find their voice. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a human thing. Yeah. Well, it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not, you know, just particular to black people. It's, it's a human thing. Um, but I also think it's something, you know, if you didn't go to drama school, if you didn't, you know, do these programs, you know, for those of us who kind of just, you know, tumble into acting, whether it's, into it. you know, whether it's from whatever, you know, Walker, I came from sports, right? Um, I think the next time you like listen to athletes, listen to them speak, we're like these big blocked, but we don't have that relaxation. So it's not about like 
forcing the voice, but it's about like just allowing it. And that was just a big, you know, it's a psychological thing, like you say, it's all over. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I taught you when you were very new, and I think you have just come from your football career. And in Sabangale, now you are also have had an interesting journey because you're originally from Nigeria, correct? Weren't you were you born there? I'm from Zimbabwe. So down south in the south. Yeah, okay. But so and then when did you come to the States? Well, I first came to the States to go to university. So that was a long time ago. That was 2008, 2007, 2005, I don't know. But that was quite a long time ago. So I, you know, I came here for uni, but like in Texas, because that's where I've got family. I went to Europe for a bit and then I went, it's a lot, it's a lot. I traveled all over, ended back in Zimbabwe and then ended up working in South Africa. So I, um, I guess the full-time acting started in South Africa in about 2012. And then I moved to Los Angeles close to six years now, six years ago. Uh Yeah, so this is my sixth year in in LA. It's not very long when you think about it. I mean, it feels like it when you're like, you know, (laughs) It does. It feels like it's been forever. I'm like, I need to get out. <laughs> I know, but you guys really seriously, it's like the 10 year pass. I think it really does. You know, like I'm always telling actors like, well, look at you guys. You guys hit your strides a, a while in. Like, I think it takes a while for casting directors to get to know you and for people to keep putting up solid work and to know you're reliable and also not crazy. There's a lot of cray crays in the business. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you may go in and you may do the best, have the best audition, but you're new to that office and they don't want to risk maybe necessarily. I think that's changing a little bit because of the self-taping world and also because of social media, whatever. But like, I think predominantly it takes around eight to 10 years until people start to break through. I know that's really hard to stomach, but you guys are doing it. <laughs> but here's the thing though, like, because I, I booked my first series, that, that was the first thing I ever booked, was ever a series booked. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. So, wow. you know, it lasted four years, but like, to your point, it's not just about like, in my opinion, making it, like, what does making it mean? Making it, in my opinion, is not feeling like a visitor anymore. So that's not just like professional credit, but that's also like doing the thing, like struggling with the thing, like getting knocked down, picking yourself back up because your, you know, your, your work status can be in front of your skill set, right? And it, and it can be the other way around, right? right. It's really yeah. about like getting those two things in the same place because that's real comfort because you're getting opportunities that you're not prepared for. That's just constant anxiety. That you don't have the skills that you haven't really crafted yet. Constant anxiety. But in the other side of not getting out there, but having the skills probably feels a little bit better. I would always want to be in that in that realm, right? Mm. Where my skill set, I keep working, I keep working. This is what I do with my life. This is how I move. I get a, I get an appointment. Cool. I was already acting today. Right. It didn't. There's no new. There's nothing new to it. Um, I think that's the place you start to craft your life around the thing. It gets more comfortable. But, yeah, I think it's a 10 year journey for sure. Well, I also think it like it's also changes. Right. And I'm always trying to like you guys were just 
we started with you guys talking about your waiting to hear and like about a job, but a job doesn't define your talent and not getting the job also is not an, indi an indictment against who you are as a creator, as an artist, as a person. I think, you know, I don't know anything else besides this business and acting, maybe other people in other walks of life struggle with the same thing. I'm sure they do because we're all human beings, but actors specifically or artists, I think really personalize the rejection or the affirmation of the thing, right? To define us. And I think part of the journey is to be, get free of that. Yeah. I'm also always interested too, like, why do we care so much about what strangers think? I mean, that's the big irony, right? Like it's acceptance of the masses, but who are the masses? Or if you get a billion followers on Instagram, okay, but like there are people you don't know of who live in India and, and I don't know, it's just some remote places that we, we don't, I, who are these people? It's kind of strange, the anonymity of it, which then sort of becomes, feels very tangible, but it's not real. Is, am I making sense? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, how that matters, and but it doesn't. It's tricky. It's the catch-22 because my version of what you're talking about is perfectionism, right? And... But then the, the contradiction is like perfectionism isn't interesting. Like we have to be vulnerable. Like the door into vulnerability is like those things that make you imperfect. That is like the true connector. So like everything you're talking about with fans, with, um, you know, rejection, with all these things, or even needing to be perfect in these things to book it. I wasn't perfect. That's why I didn't book it. <laughs> right? It's like... Yeah. The, the key in is to is to that imperfection. It's like those things that the flaws, the things that make us human, that's what connects us. And it's like, it takes a long time to be, to be, to be able to be like, I know for me to be able to be like, all right, I'm just gonna let that sing and <laughs> let's see where this thing goes, right? But then you do it and it's like, wow, I just found my superpower. I mean, I think like what he's, you know, speaking of also makes me think about you and your journey not being like a traditional American actor, let's say, right? How has that been in terms of you having an accent and like you finding your way in ways that can be limiting or maybe it wasn't limiting, maybe it opened doors for you? Um, I think it's been it's been a double-edged sword. So it's had its positives and it's had its negatives, right? And um, to just to piggyback off the whole perfection thing, you know, coming and especially from the kind of the schools that I went to, um, it was a lot about being perfect. You have to get everything right, and also from you know from dance culture, you have to hit it. You've got to get everything right, and so coming into acting. I think the good parts about that was, you know, I do like learning. I, I do, you know, want to figure out, you know, what's the best thing for my craft, all of that kind of stuff. But there was this huge perfection demon <laughs> that I've recently started learning how uh, to shed and learning that, you know, being a perfectionist is about how others perceive you. Like there's just all this other stuff about it that it just, the more you shed that, the more free you are, right? 
And in you being free as an artist, you give other people the right to be free. So it's this thing that you do for yourself that helps other people. And so with coming to America and having to, um, you know, one of the big things, and I see it with a lot of international actors, is I've got to work on my American accent and I've got to get it perfect. I've got to get my American accent perfect. And there's some international actors on TV who are very successful and I'm watching them and I'm listening to their accents and I'm like, hey, that actually, it's a little bit off, but you're in this huge ass movie. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and I think there was a time like when I, when I just moved here, there was a time when it was like, oh no, every role you go in for, you have to do American accent, American accent, American accent. And now things have changed. And so now people will say, oh, I looked you up. You're, and I saw that you're Zimbabwean. I would love for you to just just be yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. So things have changed in that regard, um, which is a bit of uh, uh, whew, a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I think that has changed. You know, when I first started teaching 25 years ago, whatever, it was, there would be the outlier. So there would be the occasional foreign actor in a big movie or in a TV show, especially in TV, you did not see it very often. Uh, like there was... What's the, uh, the Australian actor? I think Simon Baker was his name, who is, he's still alive, whatever. But he was like one of the first Australian actors that I remember had an Aussie accent in like a network TV show. This was like 20 years ago, like CSI, but it wasn't CSI. But nowadays you turn on the TV and you're like, oh, it's a quote unquote American show, but there's somebody who has an Aussie accent or whatever. I think it's definitely become more common, which is great. Um, yeah, and I think because... Because America, I mean, America is such, such a diverse place. It's such a big place. And, you know, immigrants, we are here. We're part of the workforce. And so I think showing America for what, for what it really looks like. Yeah, that's true. Also, just it doesn't really matter. Like most, I mean, I've always been a little bit different, but the, the, the movies or the, the things that I'm most interested oftentimes are foreign anyway. So they're always subtitles and I'm just watching it because it's brilliant acting and brilliant storytelling. And I'm not, I don't need everything to be so Americanized. You know what I mean? But that's me. I feel like I should live in Europe and I probably <laughs> You probably should. But I have to say that the first, the when I came to the studio was the first time where it was like, oh, just be yourself. And I was like, oh, wait, no, I can't be myself because I have to be myself as an American. And it was like, no, I think it was with Barbara. I think Barbara was my foundations. I don't know. I think so. Yeah, yeah it was Barbara. And it was like, no, just do it as yourself in your accent. And I was like, wait, so just me, just like <laughs> me. And you don't realize that you've, you know, you, you have so many walls up. I've had so many walls up that I'm like tearing down. But you have masks, you have walls, you have code switching, you just have so many things because you're in survival mode, you know? And it's like, I'm in this foreign country, I need to survive, I need to, uh, all these things. And just shedding all of that. Hmm. It's nice, just shed it all. Well, it is kind of what you both are speaking about, you know, what I've always believed is it's, it's so hard to get to that place because we're filled with so many gosh, our, our own personal narratives in our head are what we're having to undo, right? Based on conditioning, cultural conditioning, social conditioning, familial in, uh, conditioning, educational conditioning, right? And so the real work for artists, any form of artistry is like you said, removing all the layers, 
all the layers to get back to center, to get back to essential self. You know what I mean? I've been, I've been lecturing a lot on, I have a new book that I'm working on. Like it's very Marcus Aurelius, you know, um, the, you know, philosopher of like the obstacle is the way. And, and that to me, sometimes the very thing that we, it come, kind of comes back to this perfection thing that you guys were talking about so beautifully. Like I find as a recovered perfectionist and it's an ongoing, I'm a Capricorn. Fucking Capricorns are insane because if there's, I'm going off on a tangent, but it's, I don't know if you guys are Capricorns, you can relate to this, but Capricorns this is so true. If there's two paths to whatever, the goal, one is easy and it's just like full of blossoms, cherry blossoms and flowers and birds. And, and then there's another one full of swamps and alligators and vipers and thorns and thickets. Oh, Capricorns will take that route. It's insane. But I think the thing about being a perfectionist is, is also about hiding because we're always trying to... We're, Perfectionists have a very difficult time in revealing the mess behind the perfect offering and trying to get to this realization, kind of like what you were talking about, James, is like the real imperfections are the perfection. That's the beautiful, weird, contradictory aspect, right? But if you've grown up, perfectionism also means control. It's very difficult to like let that part be seen. It's really about control, isn't it? It's about trying to put forth this perfect offering that you can agendize and manipulate and manage. And a lot of actors do work that way. Sorry to say, you're going to get called at it at our school because we're not, as Leonard Cohen says, no perfect offering. There's cracks, cracks in everything. That's how the light gets in. That is our essential self. So I think you guys really are speaking uh to the truth of that it's so beautiful to hear you guys all grown up <laughs> you've left the nest and you're doing it it's beautiful it's so important also to have these conversations you know to help actors understand that it's not always what we thought acting was yeah right what do you guys oh do you want to say something james go ahead you said something about taking that difficult path and um I think it's such a beautiful thing because it's just like with characters we play. Adversity reveals character. Mm. We don't know who we are until we, we come up against adversity. That's when who we really are comes out. And I think like taking that difficult path, because I'm, I'm not a Capricorn, I'm a Gemini, but <laughs> which makes me even crazier probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm a I'm all about that difficult path. I'm all about, my dad was, he, he tried to get me to stop playing football because he was like 2% of 2% of 2%, you know, people actually make it to college and 2% uh -huh. of, of them make it to the NFL. But I was always like, somebody has to be that 2%. Mm. And mm. even when I approached acting, like my biggest hurdle was my dad, right? That was my biggest, like, you know, and how hard is it to go against someone who loves you, right? Mm. Someone supported you your entire life so um but in that it felt so much sweeter when I was able to make it happen mm. not in spite of him but just to show him and and, and what it did for me in, in in holding the mirror up to myself right after having faced adversity being broke just you know 
I had a Stanford engineering degree in my dad and I'm asking, you know, my dad for money. I'm like, hey, dad. Uh, and he's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And I'm like, you don't understand, man. There's this thing. There's this beautiful path. I'm, I'm down. I'm going down. It's crazy. It looks nuts. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm telling you it's going to work. And through that journey, man, the, the, the dips and the peaks and the valleys, man, like you find yourself. And the other thing is it's the valleys. It's the valleys. You talk about like how, how to get out of perfectionism, how to get out of that, that, that superficial, that artificial world around us, the business. It's the valleys because the valleys put you right on your ass. Mm -hmm. right? And when you have those valleys and you're on your, when you're on your ass, your perspective shifts and you start valuing things that you didn't, you know, that maybe came too easy before. And you hold those valleys with you, you keep them with you through the journey. And even when you have your next peak, that valley, if you've had enough of them and if it's strong enough and you meditated and internalized it enough, you know, it's with you. So that's, that's the perspective. That's what you hold with you that keeps you grounded, in my opinion. James, I love that you were telling your dad, I'm just going down this beautiful path. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? Beautiful paths. You have a degree, got a job, yeah. make 400K <laughs> a year. Like, I think he's trying to help parents understand something that is, it's very difficult. Again, I think the cultural appropriation of this idea that one plus two equals three in terms of a career and life, which we also know isn't true if you were a doctor. Many people who follow or are a lawyer or an engineering degree, like people still have weird Byzantine journeys within whatever discipline they're studying and exploring. But acting seems to be such the Wild West that it can be very confronting for parents, right? Because they, they only hear the horror stories of mm -hmm. Yeah, people end up on the streets and drug addicts and it committed suicide and like, right? It, it's it's also that false narrative. They, they just don't know it. They, they, they right. know the path of doctor. They know the path That's of right. lawyer. But it's just like you say, I know so many lawyers and doctors who are miserable. Oh gosh, yeah. It comes down to that thing of what you said before when you talk about those people that don't reveal um, and they still are successful, right? But are they happy? Right, because I chose this because I saw it as a way to actually become a, a, a more full, wider human being. And the gift that that gives, and the fact that you get this perspective and you come to communion with it, oh my God, I didn't even notice about myself. Wow, I can do that. Wow, I can do this. Wow, I look at people, the, the hierarchy changes. I'm looking at people level now who aren't in my situation. It's like, oh my God, this is such a gift. It's such a gift, right? And you go further into that. I'm, I'm, I'm facing my own demons. I'm walking to my own fires. And that kind of gift is just like, whew. So I think it's about why you're doing the thing. And if you're doing the thing in a, in a way that forces you to confront things, like Sabongale said, oh. we do the things that people are scared to do. So they watch us do it. We, we face those things for them, right? Because they felt that and they're like, ooh, I didn't react that way. That was that was a little too, you know, a little too brave for me to react, you know, in a way. And we, we it's it's just uh, it's more. It has to be more than just the money, and the fame, and all that stuff. The, the journey's too hard otherwise.
yeah because then it's not worth it then it's like well if you want to be rich then go and be an accountant go and be a lawyer go do something that's going to guarantee that you're going to make that money and for me like i watched my, my dad was a doctor my mom was a pharmacist they were in the medical field and because of the economic breakdown in zimbabwe i watched them lose everything so it was like but you took the safe route and life still didn't turn out the way it was still unstable you still lost it all and so witnessing them and so many other people go through that people who had taken the safety you know the safe way gave me the freedom to be like well it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what i do because it's not guaranteed nothing in life is guaranteed so i might as well take the path that for for me i knew was going to be the most challenging um because i was quite shy and you know all of that kind of stuff and i was like well this acting thing this is going to challenge me for life so that way life is never going to be boring <laughs> it's never going to get boring i'm you know it's never going to be miserable because it's always going to test me and it's always going to, um, I don't know, there'll always be this buzz, right? And the connection that you get with other people that you, I don't know. And it's just, it's, it's much more interesting. But Sabangle, I think what you're speaking of reminds me also, Jim Carrey, I don't know if you guys ever heard, Jim Carrey uh, was talking about his dad and he said, you know, there's, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it, but basically life is all about plan A and there is no plan B because you can, if you fall back, first of all, if you have a plan B, you're going to fall back on it. But his whole point was also that you can fail at a plan B. And he was talking about his dad always wanted to, I don't remember, like be an artist of some sort. I don't remember what kind, but his dad took a, you know, a more traditional safe quote unquote safe route and Jim Carrey talks about how he failed at that and that for him growing up made him realize well what do I have to lose I might as well pursue what it is that I want to do if you have all your ducks in a row and you can still fail at the thing you're not really that excited about is kind of what you were just saying but he does talk about that and I think that's always uh, struck me as very insightful and true and also it it speaks again i'm so big on trying to like help uh you know our job as artists is to move culture forward that's it conversations work pieces of art whatever it is and and i find it interesting that our educational system maybe is slowly changing but why are these conversations not being had so that if you guys were in the sixth grade hearing the possibility of being an actor or an artist of some sort or a musician as a viable career would change, you know, the, the, the DNA of a child. It's so crazy to me that if I show, there's a, there's a guy, oh my God, what's his name? He's a very, I think he just passed recently. He was very, very, um, he's a British, um, uh, uh, educate uh, educator and he was all about he created systems of schooling in the uk where 
where children showed a propensity for a certain kind of talent, they should be nurtured and supported in that. So like I suck at math. I've always been terrible at math. I had broke out in hives when I would have a geometry test. I cheated all the time. I did. I literally full confession. I cheated through high school in math because I couldn't do it. So obviously I have no skills in, I should never be an accountant. Nobody should ever hire me. The IRS would be after you. But I did show innate skills in acting and, and, and creating in that way. So what would it be to help support a child where their natural inclination is to the thing? You know what I mean? So I, I, I'm always really fascinated by how backwards isn't the right word, but how just sometimes we just aren't quite getting it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a lot of the things, yeah. like I think you guys get it. Like the, the, the conversations I have with actors we have every week, it just kind of makes sense. Like everything that, like in terms of from social causes to applications in our work and acting, it just makes sense. But then you go out into the real world and you're like, whoa, the real, the real world is crazy because it doesn't operate that way. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, oh, I mean, you're preaching right now. Um, it comes down to, it has to be a cultural change. Yeah. That's how we value, like, what do we value? What kind of intelligence do we value, right? Um, I think it's this thing of, they talk about like the British leading men, the Australian leading men, you know, they're culturally, their culture sort of values, you know, actors. They look at actors differently than we do here. Someone, someone tells you they're an actor here and you just kind of blow them off, right? That's right, you're yeah. right. It's a, it's a whole nother thing. There's like, there's respect given, you know, to the craft. Um, so I think that's one of the things, you know, to get, how do you get these, you know, you want everyone to be attracted to the, to the drama program in high school, right? You want the athletes, you want the, the singers, you want the, the tech guys, you want everybody to contribute because everybody, we need all kinds of humans, right? So I think if it's only, if you only have certain types, you know, going there at a young age like that, <clears throat> I think that cuts us off. Now, I will make a case that I think there's also a case, I think for me that helped me out. I love coming into acting later. I love coming into it with a lot of perspective of just being a normal ass dude, you know, and coming in and having to really pick apart what I had going on. I know, I know how I self analyze now when something I go through an experience and I'm like, Oh, that's what that's like. Right. But I love being unconscious to that for so many years in my life. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it comes down to just like respect for the thing. But I also think it comes down to, I, I had this conversation with my dad all the time. Because he's quick to call guys like dumb jocks, you know, those dumb jocks, they're being exploited. He's always talking about the exploitation of the black athlete in America. And it's true. It's real. But I had I always hit him on that that point of dumb jock because I've seen some of these guys who don't have necessarily like academic prowess. I've seen them do some of the most incredible genius things I've ever seen with their bodies. So it comes down to how do we define intelligence? How do we define genius? Right. We have to get outside of just academic genius, academic intelligence. Right. I, I would tell my dad, I say, when you see some great painter or some great musician, you know, score some classical music or some great painter, uh, you know, do some great mural, some piece, 
you you'd still call them genius, wouldn't you? Well, they couldn't fit. They couldn't probably pass this crazy academic, you know, test. So why is their genius different than this kind of genius, which is different than this kind of genius, right? So I think it, I think we have to sort of change how we frame what makes someone intelligent or or genius or you get what I'm kind of saying? It's just using a different part of your brain, right? Because I um one of my my best friend is like an academic she's a professor she's teaching at a university she lives in rwanda but when i went to see her a few years ago i remember feeling like oh my goodness you know we we were both we were both academic in high school and now she is like the super smart smart professor and i felt so i felt dumb I felt, I, I was like, oh my gosh, like what happened to all those intelligent genes in quotation marks? And we spoke about it and it was like, no, you're just using a different part of your brain. You don't have to use that other part. It's just, it's a different expression, right? I was just gonna say, I was trying to find my favorite. I had it on my desktop and then I think I moved it to my trash bin yesterday, but I found it. What you both are speaking of, uh, James, you need to tell your dad the next time he says something like that. You need to be like James. Uh, you need to be like Dad. I'm quoting from Albert Einstein. Everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. I have always been obsessed with that quote. Right? It's so true. It's also trying to lump all people together. It's all these things that we're talking about. Right? That's what's beautiful about being an artist because artists don't do that. <laughs> It is really about trying to see the world through artistic eyes, which is who we all are anyway. Your dad is also an artist. That's also the thing that we forget. It's just he's a latent artist or he's a, you know, a, a, a shameful artist because he hasn't been taught. He comes from a different generation, right? What it is to celebrate and embrace that. My, my parents are, oh, I'm going to totally start crying. But don't worry. You guys know I cry all the time. <laughs> yep. My... I'm gonna go see my parents next week. Aw. I haven't seen them since like COVID for over a year. And they're 86. But they have the most incredible stories. And my my dad, I found this out a couple of years ago. I never knew this, but my dad was was always, he's such a ham, like, you know, like ham and cheese. Like he's just so funny. Sabangla so is like, what does that mean? Like a ham, like. No, some people, I said that in class the other day, but I was talking about, I told this actor, he's such a ham and he was young and he was like, what does that mean? I mean, like, you know, a clown, like, you know, a court jester. So my dad was always the funny guy and they grew up in post-World War II Germany and they were so poor. I mean, literally like living on two potatoes a day, right? Then by the time they were 15 and, or 16, they had to drop out of school and they had to apprentice they just had to find a job that they could be good at to pay the bills. So my mom went into retail, which she hated, and my dad became a butcher. So he learned how to cut meat. He learned the artistry. He's an artist in terms, you could talk to him about a cow and the parts of a cow, you guys, for like hours. So he really has become an artist in his being a butcher, right? And so that's what he did for his whole life. But he confessed to me that he really was more of like a, he was a performer and an actor and a singer and a creator, but there was no access to any of that in post-war poor Germany. What's my point about that? But my point is just like your dad, I guess, is that obviously 
I also am always, I was thinking yesterday, I'm always struck by, whoa, if I was born in a different place in a different time 10 years ago prior to where I was born, or who knows, somebody who's born today, the, the odds or the probability of things are completely different. So maybe I wouldn't have been an actor. Maybe I wouldn't. It's really fascinating for me to, to think about terms of time, like these, these moments that we are living in right now and the access to things we have that maybe, you know, our grandfathers and grandmothers didn't have, which is then about ancestry and telling stories. So it's all connected and I find it really fascinating. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent, but you guys, I'm really inspired. You guys are really inspiring me. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're, what you're talking about is something I had to come to terms with, which was my dad could not escape survival mode. Yeah exactly what you're talking about. And you talk about that hierarchy of needs thing, the, the thought of doing something because it makes you, doing something happy. that money, but also makes you happy, just wasn't yeah. even yeah. the, the thing. So it's around like, you know, I had to almost escape the trap. Like it took me some therapy to really be like, wow, you know, my dad is still, you know, has a damaged child in him, right? And like, what of that do I need to break from? You know, it seems like it's just the all power. It's just how things are. But I need to, like, create some space from that mindset in order to be able to think clearly. Right. Because all of what we're talking about, it comes to it comes down to fear. Yeah. You know, when we talk about everyone being artists and it's so true. My dad is a man. He played the Congo drums and he started a running club and he's such a social butterfly and all these things. But it was safe for him to do that in his social space uh-huh uh -huh. to put that into the work you know just like, whoa 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 yeah this is social I, I express myself artistically socially right not with not professionally like that's just there's no space for that so but that's a survival mode you know mentality um and i thank him for providing for me and giving me the platform to think at a higher level to operate you know in a different space that's sort of that's been my journey with him. I also think what you're talking about, and, and you guys probably understand this work, but it's like epigenetics, where you start to find the theme of, a, of your family line that, to me, your generation, meaning you or me, our goal is to break it. So like for me, my parents, like I said, they were so poor. And when I look back at that sort of epigenetic line of our family history, it's so based around the lack of things because they didn't have anything right so like like i grew up in a generation where we had to clear our clean our plate meaning eat everything on the plate because for them they didn't have anything to put on the plate so when they did you couldn't waste it so for me my epigenetic line has often been about value isn't in how hard i work it's always been about again, perfectionism, working hard, working hard equals money equals you're going to be provided for. And I've had to really break that sort of, even today, my parents, 86, when they hang up the phone with me and they're always like, keep working hard, Tony. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, no, I just want to retire. Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> so I really have had to tell them, you can't keep telling me that. Like my value isn't in working hard. Mm. I don't know if that that that's kind of what you're speaking of, James. You know what I mean? Oh, Zabangale, does that make sense? Like you kind of you have two very successful parents, even though they had different circumstances, you know, living in Zimbabwe and then 
the everything kind of falling apart in terms of of money there right like yeah but that you can relate totally 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 and also like with the whole survival mode like i said before like you know just coming to america and trying to establish myself here for the longest time it was survival mode and so i'm actually very grateful to be able to kind of be shifting from that you know from oh my gosh i have to do everything i have to take every job i have to uh you know and kind of just being able to relax a bit i'm i i don't take that for granted um because you have to have some level of security to be able to do that so i'm grateful you know but there's still times that that kind of what is it, it it'll creep back in like recently you know I, i just booked myself a holiday now that i'm fully vaccinated and um there was an audition that came in and it was for a guest star for a show and you know my manager was like oh you know i think that we can pass here and i was like yeah 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 i agree with you and then afterwards i was like oh but wait no but wait but if i don't do this then i won't be able to like what if what if this that this that and she called me and she was like hey babe It's okay to say no. It's okay to let this go. Go on holiday. Go take yourself on holiday. And it's like because you're so scared because you're just used to like you know survival mode. So, Subangla, you're a manager, and I talked about that. I love her, and but but also to me, it speaks to you stepping into your being a leading woman, and that you can carry and lead a show, and that there's nothing wrong with guest stars at all. But like, but yeah, there's power in the no. The no is actually a yes. It's an internal yes, but it is true. It's like getting to a new level of acceptance and self-worth. And, and these are things that are constantly shifting and changing, you know, but I think that's amazing. You said your first, no, I'm not going to do that guest star on, you know, I don't know, some show. <laughs> you guys, I could talk forever with you guys, but we're almost already at an hour and like, um, yeah, it's been really inspiring and it's so good to see you guys. Mm. Um, yeah. so let's just, I mean, it's cool too. because look at, we didn't really talk about acting that much, but all this has to do with acting, which is to me always what I'm trying to help actors understand it really has nothing to do with acting at the end of the day. Right? Like it's just the vehicle through which we get to express ourselves, but it's also about all of this. Um, so tell me, okay, so, and we're going to do the speed round here in a minute where you don't have time to think you just have to answer. So right. way, that's going to cause you stress because you're like, <laughs> I want to know, what are you asking me? Um, but tell us quickly. So you're just kind of waiting to hear what's the name of the spinoff show? Painkiller. What's it? Painkiller. Painkiller. Uh-huh. And it will be on the CW, yeah? CW, yeah. probably on HBO Max. Okay. So oh, I didn't know that. I'm sure it's going to work out. We'll wait to hear. And if not, are you guys just waiting for are are you currently going out for other stuff or you're just sort of like waiting to hear what's going to happen for this show before you commit to you can't really do anything else right same kind of what we talked about at the top yeah i'm burned i'm scarred so when stuff comes across my desk i just i have to ask can i even do this uh-huh But, uh, yeah i mean for the practice of it why not right yeah uh-huh that's good and i Although think also it's important to have kind of um a safety net or you know a second option yeah for sure just because we don't know what's going to happen 
Um, I've also been going out for a lot of films. Film, like I haven't really done a lot. I don't really have a lot of film experience. So that's something that's been nice. It's also bigger projects, so bigger, you know, it's a different, whew, different level. So I'm kind of, you know, trying to swim in, in, in the new pool. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I want to do something with you guys. Mm. I'm seriously... Uh... All right, I got to write a film for you both. <laughs> all right, let me, seriously, don't hold me to it because I'll do it. Um, okay. All right, so here, here we go. Uh, I'll start, James, with you. If you weren't an actor, what would you be? Uh, investment banker. Oh, wow. Sibongle? Oh, um, uh, a translator. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Do you speak, what other languages do you speak? French and Spanish and Shauna. Okay, show off. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, Sabangle, what's your favorite film of all time? Or maybe not all time. That's so, like, epic. Uh, not all time, but latest favorite is uh, The White Lion. Oh, okay. Hmm. The one on Netflix. Yeah. James? Spaceballs. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Okay, the fact that you even know that, James, is so impressive. <laughs> oh, my God. What is that? Know that? It's from the 80s. Look it up. Spaceballs, everybody. Wasn't well, Sigourney Weaver in that? I think Sigourney Weaver was in that. Sigourney Weaver was not in that. It's Mel Brooks. <laughs> Isn't it Mel Brooks? Mel Brooks, yeah. You don't even know. I do. Sigourney He's Weaver just saying that to try to impress us. Spaceballs. It was it's, not, it's Harold Ramis. Not in Spaceballs. Mel Brooks, yeah. Uh, Sibangle, what's, what's one thing you can't do without? Ice cream. Oh, good one. James? My ice bath. <laughs> Listen, I'm coming for that ice bath, okay? Ready? It's, it's, it's calling your name. It's calling your name. You have your own personal ice bath? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Whoa. Have, have you seen his Instagram? I have, but I thought you just went to some place to do it. That's my roof. That's my roof. <laughs> oh, my God. I could do a whole other podcast just on that. I'm intrigued. <laughs> we'll keep going, James. That's hilarious. Um, 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 who's your celebrity crush, James? Could be a guy or a girl. Uh, my celebrity crush. Oh. Wait, Til- who's yours? I'm, 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 I'm stealing yours. Wait, wait. <laughs> Who is it? I didn't hear it. Tilda Swinton. She is, yeah, she is brilliant. Um, Sibangle, what would be your advice for your younger self? Speak up, baby. Speak up, be free. Speak loud and proud. Yeah. James? Play fair. Uh-huh. Great. Uh, acting in one word, James? Terrifying. <laughs> so good. It's like tightrope walking. Yes. Sibangle? I was going to say the same thing. Scary. Yes. Oh, <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, I love that you guys said that. I don't like too cool for school actors and they're like, you know, it's a piece of cake. Uh, <laughs> well, that's kind of, what, what scares you the most? You rather like acting? No. Sibangle. Uh, regret. Oh, good one. James. Unfulfilled potential. Kind of same, same, different way of saying it, but got it. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of 
horrifying, especially as you get older, you guys. So get on it. <laughs> and last question. This is the big stumper. Sometimes this makes people cry. My guests cry. Uh, what's your definition of love? Breathe first, breathe first. You guys are so deep. I should take a photo of this right now. You both look like you both like we're looking up to the stars. You both froze. It looked like your computers froze. The Bangla, you want to go first? It's seeing yourself and other people. I see you and you see me. I am you and you are me. Beautiful. James is looking it up in the dictionary right now. Love is um like love is lift um, and it doesn't always have to feel good, but it makes you better and it makes you want to be better and it makes things more colorful and it makes things sweeter. Um, it makes, um, it, it just brings lift to everything. I love it. That, lift. That's love. Um, love is lift. Uh -huh. And I don't mean it's like, I don't mean in, in, in just the feel good way, but I mean like even in the dark moments, um, whether they're dark moments you can't control that you need support or whether they're your shadow area that's just out and, and going crazy, but someone who can check you, who can check you and lift you out of it. So it's like, or to hold the mirror up to you, see, see what your face looks like. Like to me, that's love. Beautiful. I always end with, I, my definition of love is just this moment right now. Mm. Aww. I do love you guys. Aww. <laughs> so uh, thank you for doing this. It was so fun to have you both together. Um, so maybe just tell our guests quickly where the, can they find you? Uh, I don't know, on your socials. Subangle, go ahead, you go first. At Subangle, on my Twitter, on my Instagram, on Facebook. <laughs> If anyone still uses that, I do. I do. James, I'm at, at JRLemon2, the number two. Um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, JRLemon, which I'm trying to change over. We get picked up, I'll get the social media people to. But yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I'm so excited for you guys, and we're going to keep our good thoughts that the show is going to get picked up. And even if it doesn't, something equally amazing and beautiful and outrageously wonderful is coming along next. Mm. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by We Audition. Receive 25% off with the promo code AMAW on weaudition.com. The video chat community to audition, rehearse, self-tape, and get advice, and hopefully book the fucking job.